Uh, all right, guys. So I'm I'm really glad we we uh, invented. <laughs> started doing these quick fixes because I think it's a nice way for us to like reflect back on movies um, without having to force people to listen to it in the real uh, main podcasts. Um, and I've had a lot of thoughts about the matrix, but especially because um, I was texting with someone, a, a listener, which by the way, um, we text you know, with our, we'll, we'll text well, I you just, back. <laughs> I just wish that like we could, you know, I think this has gone far enough. I don't know that we should be giving my personal phone number out to our fans. Uh, yeah, um, yeah, that's so true. I don't know where they get the gall to text us, but I encourage right. this person to write in, um, uh, to send us a, an email. And I think this, this will start a nice conversation and, and reflect on some thoughts that I had about, um, the matrix. And I think we touched on a little bit of this, but, um, so here it goes. This this uh, person writes, uh, listening to last week's podcast on The Matrix, I found myself asking the same question a few times. Can movies that indelibly become part of film history ever be enjoyed for what they are, or are they destined to be picked apart and scrutinized over time? I ask because I find my own interpretation of movies over time. I've come to tear down some of the movies I most enjoyed and in stages of my life. Hearing you three do that with The Matrix, a movie I have and always loved and cherished, felt both similar and difficult to hear, not just because I disagree with many of your points. So where does this leave us as cinephiles? Can we ever just let these movies be, or are we destined to ruin them for ourselves with each revisit? Um, so I, I think what I imagine this person and a lot of people who I've talked to about our podcast, um, I think imagine us, we, we've talked about our critics hats as sort of metaphorical um, explanations as to us sort of like, you know, taking a perhaps ingenuine, closer, more scrutinizing look at films. Um, but in my mind, this metaphoric hat has turned into like a, ber- a French beret and we, <laughs> we pull it tightly over our heads. Um, but I do think that's a little bit unfair. I think at least what I've come to realize about, I mean, one, like we are doing a film podcast and so that's our job to scrutinize things, but especially as it pertains to us looking back at films, both at 1999, but also, you know, we did Jaws and Jurassic Park last summer. Um, I, I mean, I think that that is a part of a film that deserves to be analyzed. It's the sort of the timelessness of it. Um, and I think that, you know, we we talk I mentioned a little bit on the yesterday podcast we just recorded, you know, about uh, Spielberg's um, ability to, you know, show know exactly to the frame how much you can show the shark in Jaws and um, the sort of the the, the connection between, um, uh, you know, being able to, to mix the sort of animatronic dinosaurs and, and the digital dinosaurs in Jurassic Park. And, you know, those are those are movies that, at least to me, still stand out. I mean, I, maybe, Lee, if you show Miles Jaws in five or six years, he might just laugh at the at the at the how stupid the <laughs> how stupid this, the the. Uh, the um, shark looks, but I mean, to me, I think the th- the fact that those movies stand the test of time f- for you know those reasons and other reasons is important. And I'm not saying that I felt the Matrix didn't stand up. This isn't like a binary answer. It's not a yes or no. I mean, there are shades here, but I think that that was our takeaway. So, what do you guys think? Well, I think time works on both the movie and the audience member. So. I think some things can stand the test of time in the way you're talking about with Jaws or, you know, special effects or stuff like that. But also our life experiences and what we're bringing to the movie 10, 20 years later is going to be different. Um, and I think that has just as big effect. So it, it, it's fair to look at these movies from that distance 
again. Like you can't just leave it be, uh, Beatles. Uh, let it be, Jack. Let it be. Um, <laughs> so you can't just you can't just leave it be and and say, well, it was good that one time I watched it, and I can't really touch it again because it wouldn't be fair to the movie if if you know things had things in my perspective have changed, or even if the film itself just doesn't keep up with the changing times. I mean, that's part of the fun of the movies, is that we can ha- come and have these different pers- perspectives years later. If we couldn't do that, what would be the point, you know? I, I mean, I get the sentiment of, like, you have a movie that you've cherished and you don't want to ruin it. It's like kind of why I don't want to do a Swingers retrospective, because I'm worried about that. Um, but that's not that's not what cinema is, and that's also not fair to the to those movies and to the filmmakers who made them. You want your your works to change over time and either grow with you or grow apart from you. So I think that's totally fair for us to be able to do this. It's that's a great point, and I I would argue that the that our personal you know our life changing you know aspect is even bigger than the movie itself i mean to i don't even think it needs to be years your your experience watching a movie is different every time i mean last year you guys remember i watched eighth grade sort of forgot about it we watched i watched it again for the podcast and it ended up being i think in my top five for best film of the year at the fixies so and that was over the course of two months or something and it was just a different experience i had watching it and and that can happen and you know at to to give you an, uh, another example at risk of pulling my my critics beret on even tighter you know if you have a glass of fine wine at in Napa Valley or in Willamette Valley Chapin on the back porch staring out at the vineyard it's going to taste better with that experience than it is on your couch <laughs> watching the matrix i mean what you know <laughs> It's watching across the universe, watching across the universe. Yeah. It's just, it's, it's, it has a lot to do with the experience that you have with it. Sure. And that's a little surface level. I think a little bit more surface level than what, what our emailer is asking. Cause he's kind of asking whether or not, you know, we should she. be really picking the, yeah, he or she is asking whether or not we should really be picking these things apart as time goes by. And you say, yes, that's our job. But I also think it works the other way. We don't ever, you know, question why, for example, there will be blood has just gotten better and better for me over the years. And right. I find better and better things about it every time I see it. We only ask why the more <clears throat> I watch the matrix over time, am I picking apart things that I don't like? And yeah, I guess and, that's because we don't want a good thing to go away. Up. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I don't know that this, I, it's a great question. I think because we, we've asked that, ourselves we've said you know like how can we prevent our jaws um podcast from being just you know us filleting it the whole time (laughs) and i i remember very briefly uh we brought up adaptation a couple weeks ago and jeremy just said how ridiculous is the alligator attack scene and i kind of just stopped and i was like let's not do this let's let's this is a great movie why are we doing this to ourselves but that's kind of what we do you know it's just part of you know loving movies i guess the more you see them the more you see what you do and don't like and i guess that's what makes great movies great yeah i mean you you that's been a really interesting part of you know going to film school for me is i you know i i 
saw all these movies growing up and I was a huge movie fan and I loved them. And then when I went and started studying movies a little bit more and making movies a little bit more, it, you know, coming back to these films, revisiting them, um, had a whole different light for me. Like I said, yeah, I mean, in, like in a way, less. yeah, in a way Kinda they sucks. were ruined <laughs> yeah. because they sort of pulled the wool from your eyes, but also like you started to appreciate them. And, and, and once you saw the, the, the techniques that, you know, your favorite directors would use, they would start to become more interesting in a different way. Um, but I also think, I mean, there's a reason we are, you know, still putting on Shakespeare's plays, you know, three or 400 years after he lived, you know, like there the, people, there were other people writing plays at the same time. Shakespeare knows we know that cause we saw that Shakespeare in love movie, um, documentary, doc, the documentary Shakespeare in love. Yeah. Um, but I mean, do you know what I mean? Like, they, like I think the, 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 the sort of timelessness of, 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 of work both in you know written, I think it, it's easier to do with something like a play or a, or, a, or a book because they go back farther than a hundred the hundred years that movies have been around roughly. But um, I don't know. I, I also think that we've been more forgiving this time around. I mean, if you go back and listen to you guys in 2010 and when I joined you in 2011, we were a little harder on on films. And I think I don't I, I don't know that like that makes our review or our take on the Matrix. Um, any any less um i don't think that that softens it at all what i'm saying is that i think we uh, we have uh, our minds are a little bit more open uh, that's what i've noticed at least um and i i, I do think that you know I, I will i will say that like i we we, we walked away from the matrix and it, it, it I, I don't think that film quite has the impact that it did for me when i saw it initially and of course you're never going to be able to see a movie for the first time ever again you know you're you're always going to have that first viewing that's amazing for you especially in a film that's as innovative and groundbreaking as the matrix was um but i do think um i i went back and i watched the sequels and um I, I think at some point, if you guys ever have the time, you should do that as well. But after we recorded the podcast, I went back and watched the sequels. And I think that, you know, what I gleaned from our conversation about the Matrix was that it was a really rich and, and deep text. Um, the mythology around it was original and really interesting. And I think I remember leaving that film and, and, and it, I found it to be very efficiently told too as well. And I was like, I can't wait for the sequels. They've got to make a sequel. This, the story's not over, you know, like this is only part right. of it. And the sequels were so bad. It's like how I um, felt with yesterday. <laughs> it, it's that like I, I, I left and I was like, and I, and I couldn't, I couldn't tell you why, you know, like the, the, the movies were bigger, the sequels were bigger, but it wasn't that it was just that like, I think, you know, if you take all those ingredients that made the matrix original matrix, so interesting and so good and so original and so innovative. And it's like they did, they, they were mixing up the, the recipe for the, the, the sequels and they just added like twice as much of that stuff. And the it was just out of balance. And you felt like that film, those two films were just like, it was just too much. It was too much of the sort of, you know, uh, sort of hyperbolic dialogue with the sort of monotone reading and those, those sort of like signatures of the matrix that just, that just were just enough in that film. And then you go into the sequel and you try to tell these, this larger story that is very interesting, but the, the stylistic elements were just kind of overbearing to me. Yeah. And I, I think we, we, there's a certain reverence we have for these films 
when we go back to them to revisit them that we are careful to an extent yeah. because there's no point like we don't want to ruin these movies for us <laughs> right either we want to go in and enjoy them and we want to give them we want to talk about their why they're they were good at the time what's still good about them um and where they work as well as maybe why it didn't work uh for us this time around it's never like we're going into these yeah, we're not trying, trying to find reasons not to like them um i think you just it's a different perspective and you you know you you want to have like you said shape an open mind to these things and be able to you know take the good with the bad on it um and yeah we bring up movies totally occasionally fair. we bring up movies occasionally that we're afraid to see again because right. we don't, because we don't want to like swingers. I know, Jeremy, you mentioned to me like you kind of are afraid to watch it. What if yeah. you, what if you don't like it? <laughs> Black Swan, Chapin, you're never going to see again. That's right. Um, I mean, do you guys think we we are destined to ruin them for ourselves? I wouldn't say that's always the case. No, I, I don't think, think so. No, I think, I think we have if, a lot of good ones. I think if anything, it's the opposite. Look at some of the movies. Take American Beauty for example. I I was pretty sure that watching that was going to you know bury it forever. But I'm not running out to see it again, but I liked it a whole lot more than I expected. I think more often than not, the opposite could be true. There's a reason that we liked these movies at one point. And for Lee and me, uh, I think Deer Hunter goes was into a big that surprise. category. Yeah. Yeah. Yep, definitely. 